0: Welcome to Misfits and Mystics podcast, where we have conversations intersecting faith, mental health, artistry, and social justice. We're so glad you're here. So get cozy.
1: But not too cozy because we do keep it real on this podcast.
0: Listen with care and enjoy.
1: Do I look good, my dear? Do I look good today? All right, I'm done. <laughs>
0: That was beautiful.
1: Thank you. Good morning.
0: Good morning. Actually, it's good evening.
1: I know, but good morning.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, this is not a typical episode because somebody, somebody, forgot their laptop.
1: Idea what?
0: Somebody forgot their laptop.
1: You know what? Let me explain why even though I don't really know why, but I'm just going to put reason into it. Speak up. Because niggas is stressed, okay? Okay. Okay. So it must have been my subconscious telling me, you know what, leave it. That way you don't have to do nothing tonight. Ain't no way you can grade anything because everything is online. Fuck that shit, I'm out. (laughs) And I just truly believe that that's, you know, that's what my brain was saying, And so my body just follows suit, you know?
0: You feel me? I feel you, but <clears throat> it didn't want to tell you that, hey, maybe you should bring your laptop so <laughs> we can record. <laughs> no, it didn't. I feel you. Well, that's fine because there are other ways, as you see. Facts. True facts. So I, yeah, and then my laptop decided, screw you seriously so um i'm recording this on my phone and alicia is being facetimed so if the sound sounds like shit then y'all y'all hear what we saying <laughs> like you know i yeah and we'll get into this later but we're about to take a hiatus anyway <laughs> if this is <laughs> Probably a sign that we need to take a rest. But not until we um, finish up what we have planned. But anyway, we'll talk about that later. (sighs) Wusa, Welcome back to Misfits and Mystics podcast. Talking about artistry today and trauma and creating but before we get into that let's just first give a brief recap about our week how have you been Alicia (laughs) I'm
1: sorry I have been okay
0: I've been
1: so we're just gonna say that Yes.
0: How about you? I've been I've seen I saw kicks some ass. <laughs> um I am still recovering from Pride Weekend in a good way. I was about to
1: say what?
0: Yeah, it's just like it was it was very fun and beautiful and if you guys listen to the bonus episode we put out on Tuesday then you know that I had a grand old time Um, it was just a lot because it was hot so you know you're in the sun all day which can drain you and you know when you have so much fun and then you have to come back to reality and realize oh yeah regular life resumes and there's this like hint of depression that kicks in you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah I kind of experienced that a little bit on Monday and yes I'm I'm recovering but I have been very great I am so happy that I went to Pride both days. I saw TLC on Sunday. And when I tell you, Chili is a whole vibe, a whole (laughs) mood. She stays right in the pocket.
1: Yes, girl. Like,
0: never leaves. (laughs) I love it. She's gorgeous. T-Boz's voice. Like, how? That's like nothing but God, okay? Just all in her throat. <laughs> I just woo, and they sang all of our, all of our favorites: No Scrubs, Red Light Special, yeah. Waterfalls, Baby, Baby, Baby. Yay! Hey, hey. That's my shit. Listen, they had all the jams. <laughs> digging on you are you serious I'm serious bro I would
1: have been crying
0: I almost cried several times um and it was beautiful because I got to experience it with two close friends of mine Whitney who you know and then (laughs) my baby brother Terry and we just happened to run into him and I was like oh my god we're doing this. Um Yeah, and Neon Trees they played on the Saturday. I'm not really a big fan of theirs, so we just kinda hung out in the back, like and just acted a fool doing cartwheels, improving in the grass, like but people would come up to us and they'd be like, Hey, hey, like we were the life of the party, okay? So yeah, I had a I had a ball Shout out to Imaginarium Who color dusted And blessed people They like <laughs> threw color dust On people and they were like You are inherently magical Responsible Like they just spoke so much life And it was like probably the highlight Of my pride weekend Just experiencing that And getting to experience that With my friends And then shout out to my twitter friend jovi we were supposed to meet last year at pride but things got crazy and so we finally made it happen we spent like the first portion of the afternoon on saturday and we went to this rooftop bar and it was great so Yes. Like a beautiful time. It was a beautiful time. I'm so blessed. I'm so grateful. I'm so proud to be queer. Like, I'm never going back in the closet. Ever. <laughs> ever. Like, there's family waiting for you. If you are thinking, should I, should I not, I say, come on out and join the fun. I understand, though, that. It's not safe for everybody to be out. But if you can, just go ahead and do it. Because, yes, all of it. <laughs> because,
1: yes.
0: Anyway, so, yeah, that, that was my week.
1: <laughs> nice,
0: nice. Nice, nice. Okay, well, um, today we are talking about something that's a little uh, deep. Uh, maybe controversial I feel like we haven't gotten controversial in a while Um, so here we go we are talking about trauma and art Um, sometimes we experience art whether that's like visual art film music dance whatever that you know brings up a variety of topics that can be traumatizing or re-traumatizing to people depending on what you've experienced, things like that. So, um, And I, I started to think about it because when they see us, which is on Netflix, which if you haven't seen it, I recommend, especially if you're white, actually if you're white it's required viewing um yes that's all I'm gonna say but I was dog sitting um and the person you know who had me dog sit for him he was like feel free to use my Netflix my cable whatever you want so I took that time to just like binge watch like so many shows on Netflix that week and I started watching When They See Us and at first I thought I'm not gonna finish this like I can't finish it it's too much like this sh- this is making me angry because for those that don't know When They See Us is a four-part uh, film mini series, whatever you want to call it Um, that is based on the true story of the Central Park exonerated five, um, which if you don't know about that case, Google it, (laughs) but yeah, so it, it, it depicts the, the story of the five young boys who were wrongfully accused and convicted of raping, um, a woman in Central Park, and were coerced and tricked into um, confessing to a crime they didn't commit, and spent many years in prison. Um, I I what one of the things I liked about the series is that it didn't just stop with okay they went to prison, woo woo so sad, but it also took us on a journey of what happens when people get out of prison, especially when you've been convicted of rape and how that just like messes up your whole life. And it wasn't until years later that the actual perpetrator of the rape admits to the crime and then they're exonerated and you know, here we are today. But I say all that to say, um, it was very difficult watching because knowing that, okay, this is based on a true story. So this like actually happened to them and their families. Um, but also it's very, um, things like this are still happening. Like the justice system is not in favor of black people. So it just it just also brought up a lot of um, just a lot that we're already witnessing when it comes to racialized terror and violence. So at first, I wasn't going to finish like I got through the first part and I was like, this is too much. But then it was one of those situations where I was like, no, I I want to see it through the end because once I start a show I I like I have to like keep watching it just to see like what happens um and also it was really good like the acting and cinem- cinematography and all of it like it was it was very well done um so I pushed through and I'm glad I did because you know the end obviously has somewhat of like a hopeful uh sentiment um but I yeah I was crying like pretty much the whole time so I basically like it, it made me question um is it possible that sometimes the art we create can go too far like where do we draw the line when it comes to art like Presenting like presenting art, like do we have to re-traumatize ourselves in order to get the message, you know? And in my case, like I I personally haven't experienced um, a close family member going to prison for something they didn't do. Um, I've never experienced like direct racialized violence in the way that it is like turned my world upside down so i don't have like ptsd from anything like that um if anything i've been a little desensitized to things like that happening so there's that but i wonder like for those that maybe have experienced something to that degree. Like what would they be experiencing if they watched a show like that? So I wanted to dive into that. And I also wanted to dive into, uh, there's another show that I think does an excellent job of presenting this discussion um, so there's gonna be some light spoilers ahead so we're gonna be speaking about this at least for the first portion through the lens of She's Gotta Have It which is a Netflix series um, based on the original film Spike Lee film um, so if you haven't seen that and you don't want to be spoiled at all maybe you should not listen to this episode <laughs> um or go watch the show and then come back and listen. <laughs> um, show's pretty easy to get through. Like episodes are pretty short and there's not that many. So, and I honestly think that if you don't want to watch the entire series but you just want to watch the specific episode, I think you'll be okay. When you say? Yeah. I yeah. don't think so. Yeah, just to like get context for what we're talking about without having to be fully invested in the show like we are um but yeah so basically what happens in the episode just to set the stage uh the main character nola darling she's a visual artist and she's having an art show and one of the pieces that she is presenting brings up some major controversy in her community it's it's specially presented in which the spectator can't see it unless they go behind a curtain. And I won't spoil what the piece is. Um, they do end up showing you what the actual painting is in the end, but I, I won't say what it is, but I will say <laughs> that it's so jarring that it triggers many people and people have various responses based on what they saw, particularly black people. Um, And the main critique that she gets is that black people don't need to be re-traumatized by seeing images that remind us of our historical and current oppression. And then she rebuttals it with being her way of reclaiming some of her own personal trauma as a queer black woman and she argues that not everything is uplifting and inspiring and some things are dark and painful and as an artist she wants and needs to reflect that and so the pivotal question that I had was who is the work for and I think one of the one of her friends like actually asked her that like who who is this art for like is it just for you like and your and you being cathartic or is it meant for everybody to see you know so that's the first question i want to present to you is when we make art who's it for and are we always mindful that what we're creating has consequences um particularly on how people receive it and respond to it
1: well first of all i think that this is a wonderful conversation and the way that you just presented it just got me very excited to talk about it so um uh, okay let me answer the basic question i think it just depends on the individual um I would like to say that most people when creating art they think about their audience because usually you want to reach a specific audience um, or you want a certain type of feedback like you have an intent and then you usually will find the audience from the intent of the piece even if it's not thinking about the audience first because sometimes you will think about the audience first um so it, it's so different because me as an artist I could create five different pieces, and it could be for five different audiences, like, right? and I could be one of those audiences. So, I don't think that you could just say, unless that is someone's actual like, their trademark is that they specifically work for one audience. You know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that's not a, a general. I mean, that's not a, a something you can answer like, a one answer for
0: that. Right. Um,
1: But as far as thinking about it, I would like to think that people think about... I'm kind of worried now, because now I'm like, do people not think about that? Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Well. We'll get into that. I
1: feel like... So, I could be completely wrong. I don't know. But to think about an artist creating a work without any, like, any extra th- thought and, like, putting it out there and being, like, this is, you know, being all proud of it and stuff, I don't know, I kind of feel like that's, like, really self centered and prideful, maybe, mm-hmm. um, yeah, because if you think about it, it's, like, in the same way, I would break it down to, like, the smallest form of art well it depends on if it's like a job or something but let's just take like a facebook status so many people create statuses and like you naturally have an audience through facebook but you have a bunch of different audiences on your facebook depending on how you run your facebook what you use for whatever so many people will, will put personal information out there and then when people respond when they comment when they have some type of feeling about it Because you know, you can also put the I like this, the heart, Mm -hmm. crying, sad, you know, all of that stuff. They will get mad and tell people, mind your business, don't worry about me, after you've put this out there. And so I feel like that's a clear example of people just putting things out just to put it out and expecting people to not say anything or for every response to be supportive,
0: right? Well, and
1: that's. Not smart.
0: <laughs> well, because, I mean, so in the episode, like, there was, at, at first when I watched it, I was thinking, why is everybody getting on her? Like, yeah. it's her art. She should be able to express what she needs to express. Mind you, at this point, we, the viewer, we don't even know yes. what the art piece is. And it's leaving me thinking like what was so bad that had everybody so upset
1: I I just knew it was going to be like the worst thing on earth I just knew it
0: but okay without saying what it is (laughs) I personally didn't think it was that like I understood that it was probably No, not even probably. I understand that the work was disturbing and not pleasurable to see and definitely speaks into the racial trauma that we as Black people collectively share. Even if just... uh, acknowledging the generational trauma that we are a part of so I understood that but I didn't think I think what was redeemable was that a black woman created it I think I would have felt different if a white person created it I think it's not just about what the art is but who created it and the fact that she defends herself to say well this is this is a this this is speaking into what we as a collective are experiencing but it's also about my own personal trauma and the work that she created what was aiding in her her healing and her development and growth like in spite of or in the midst of the trauma that she has endured. Because especially if you go back to season one, like, I think the show kind of like glosses over that a little too much. Like her her being assaulted. And um, we really don't like get to spend a lot of time seeing... How that's really affecting her. And I appreciate that in season two. Like it's brought up again. And through this art show. And like that piece is pivotal. But she also does it in a way where you don't have to look at it. Because it's hidden behind this curtain. And so everybody made the choice To go behind the curtain to see it. Um, So it's not like she forced it upon anyone to see. Compared to like the other art pieces that she had like on display in the show. Where like if you just happen to walk around you're going to see the art. But this particular piece I think she did kind of set up a boundary I think what probably would have helped if she had provided some type of trigger warning or content warning to say, like, if you step behind this curtain, be prepared to see something that is disturbing. Um, prepare yourself for that, which then made me so the so then the second time I watched it, I was kind of like, OK, Nola, like. Yes, this is cathartic for you and your trauma, but like the fact that you you kind of maybe manipulated your audience to be like, "Ooh, what's behind the curtain?" Yeah. I was
1: just
0: Without episode. you know, giving some type of heads up like, "Hey, you don't have to come behind this curtain. This is a special piece that maybe is only for eyes that are ready to look at and receive something that is traumatizing. So.
1: Yeah. Literally everything you just said, um, the curtain, like everybody wants to be a part. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just in in general, everybody wants to be a part. So it's like, even if she was to give a trigger warning or, you know, whatever, um, there's always if it was me, like if I was in the gallery, like I'd definitely be like, Oh man, like she said, like it's something that could, you know, affect me, but like I kinda wanna be affected. It's like that that mm-hmm. thing in you that's just like, This is dangerous. But like I kinda I like the feeling of danger and I kinda wanna like feel it. It's probably gonna hurt me, but I kinda wanna be hurt. Like I don't
0: know <laughs> Yeah. I have no
1: idea what that is, but it's just like, it's just a part of being human. So you want to be a part of it. So I don't, I don't think, I mean, a Trigger Warning definitely would have been nice. But I think either way, people would have been affected and they would have their opinions regardless.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. I think it was also uh, one thing that was very pivotal was so the show, like, has you know certain characters like giving these like breaking the fourth wall like monologues about like their reaction to what they saw and i was totally understanding of the various opinions of people of color like you know because even with that like there were different perspectives but the one where the white girl is like um, you know being very critical of the work and saying like she should not have shown that I was kind of like but you don't get a say <laughs> yeah seriously because this, this work isn't about you it doesn't and what the work is displaying like you don't have you don't share the heritage that this is addressing so that also kind of made me think about how sometimes people just get all offended because that earns they think that earns them like woke points <laughs> um because that's definitely the vibe that i got from her like she's just like repeating these like social justice warrior talking points and this like ooh look at me i'm so woke but it's like, girl, ain't even about you. Be quiet. You know, white people need to be quiet in 2019. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not sorry about it. I'm just done being apologetic about that. So um but it did make me think about how I guess that goes back into my original question of like, who is it for? And should everybody have access to your work do you just because you create something does that mean you have to share it you know because I like I said I get that her creating the work was a pivotal moment for her to help her process and heal from her own personal experiences but then it's like do you have to share that with everyone else Do you have to share that with people that you just know aren't going to get it? You know, Mm -hmm. Um, how can you how can we present work that enables uh, people to be safe um, and reduce harm, you know? Because, just because you've gone through a trauma, does that mean you have to traumatize and re-traumatize your audience in order to make a statement, you know?
1: Yeah. I kind of feel like, I don't, I I feel like, speaking of Noah's art, um, I, I don't necessarily feel like it was necessary. First of all, I think that it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Like, I really thought that it was beautiful, and I person personally didn't think it was as bad as people reacted, right I mean, it is a show. I don't know if they would really would have reacted that way, but <laughs> um, I didn't have reaction that they had, most of them pretty much um but I still I don't know if it's necessary, and the only reason why I say that is because I feel like a piece of that sort. <sighs> Okay, I gotta be careful with my words <laughs> a piece of that sort um, if the intent is to keep people from becoming desensitized which it could be really good for um, then I don't think it's necessary and the reason I say that is because we don't need art in that in that area we still have it happening like art art, with that topic, art doesn't really need to, like, imitate life or show life, because life is imitating life, like, over and over so Mm -hmm. yeah, but as far as it just being an art piece to be a more um, packaged way of delivering that message, or just um, bringing awareness to the reality uh, I think it can be necessary especially if white people see it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and the same way that you talked about when they see us like white people need to see it i think that that's something that white people would need to see um especially those who are into art and let's be real white people will be so open to to take in some art rather than hearing a certain audience talk Mm -hmm. so it's like that would be great. They're gonna go to the art galleries, but they may not hang out with us. Like mm-hmm. you know, um, so if that's the way that they have to hear it, if that what needs to, if that's what needs to be made to put it in their face and be like, look, you cannot avoid this reality. Then yes, but for the black people, it's not necessary. Yeah. It wasn't necessary, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, but I will say that. Um we can't always assume because blackness isn't a monolith we can't always assume that just because you are black that you just automatically have an understanding of certain specific issues that impact black people because there are black people that for various reasons have lived a very um sheltered life or occupy spaces where that just truly isn't much of an issue or they've been shielded from those issues and so it might be necessary for Black people to see that work too if that is their reality um, and I say that because I watched a it was kind of disturbing to me but I watched this documentary on vice that was talking about black conservatives particularly these black conservatives that voted for Donald Trump And at first I thought, oh, they're going to be talking about like older black people because I kind of, you know, like, but no, these were millennials. These were people our age. And I started to question like, okay, what, what kind of (laughs) life do these people live Who who are they hanging out with? What is the landscape of their reality that informs their perspectives and opinions to go down this route of supporting a a person that, yeah, we don't even have to go into that. But (laughs) it, it opened my eyes to really make it tangible that. Like, none of us are a monolith and we can't, uh, we can't assume anything. And so when I think about NOLA's piece, uh, a piece like that might be something that triggers even some Black people to say, whoa, like, this is still a thing. Like, racism is still a thing and there's systemic um, oppression that is impacting it's impacting everyone I want to say that like it is impacting everyone it's just impacting people in different ways um but I would say that all of us are victim to supremacy culture um it's just at varying degrees and in this context that we're talking right now black people are at the highest degree of risk and harm um so I don't know it's it's a fine line (laughs) um yeah And, and and I know that and it's like you can question her intentions and a lot of times we talk about well, impact is more important than intent. but then it's like, I don't know. some I guess sometimes it's just gonna be unavoidable for you to disturb people. And I, maybe that's the other thing is like there's a difference between being troubled and disturbed versus, like, traumatized, uh-huh. you know. I think some people think, oh, because of that offended me or that was offensive, oh, I'm now I'm triggered, now I'm right. trauma, trauma. Like, we love latching ourselves onto the trigger and the trauma, like, because we like to romanticize that a lot without really understanding – the significance of what that actually means um and in the process we end up erasing people that actually are suffering from trauma and other mental health issues so that's kind of where I was going with like the white girl who's like the you know trying to Latch herself on to. Oh that was so traumatizing. Like mm, was it though? Or are you just offended by what you saw? Because yeah. um. now that you've seen this work. you That is forcing you to look in the mirror. And recognize that you benefit from a system. That <laughs> uh, puts people of color at harm's way. And when we sit in seats of privilege, we don't want to, we don't want to deal with that. So, and I say this because I sit in seats of privilege in other areas and I've had to do my own work to recognize that like, Oh, sometimes I just don't want to deal with it. It's not that I'm traumatized. I just don't want to deal with it because it's easier for me to just sit in my privileged little box um, instead of like, doing some work (laughs) um so yeah we also have to tread that line too of being careful of how we categorize what we what we're experiencing to not just be so quick to say oh trauma trauma trigger trigger you know but at the same time we do need to take people serious seriously when they say you know that traumatize me or re-traumatize me or brought up, um, something that triggered something in me and I need, um, I need some type of self or communal care, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. (laughs) But, um, so moving, kind of moving away from, the show because I also wanted to touch on where I and I'm pretty sure you probably have to <laughs> experience this type of thing, and that's within um, live performance, um, particularly with dance and theater. Um, because in that situation, it's not just the audience that we have to be mindful about, but the performer. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, not even sometimes, a lot of times, we risk the safety of the performer and the audience, but the performer for the sake of story. Yeah. You know, Um, even with, like, shows and films, like, um, like, I'm a fan of The Handmaid's Tale, and I remember season two, there were a lot of people who... Their biggest complaint was it was starting to veer away from it being centered around like the story and the character development. And now it's just like a bunch of trauma porn, you know, (laughs) like just presenting scenes for the sake of shock value instead of just leaving things up to our imagination or like we can imply this. That this happened without actually showing you Mm -hmm. what happened, you know, it's like we get it, you know, Um, especially when you've already done a great job of developing like the world building and the characters and it's kind of like we don't need to like keep rehashing these violent acts, you know for us to recognize and understand that what these women are going through in the show is you know terrible and <laughs> um, it needs to be fixed so and then I start thinking about like what is that like for the actors who have to you know portray that character and even though it is simulated it's like still an experience yeah it's an experience and um I I say that because when I was in college you were I believe you saw that piece my renouncing allowance piece that was addressing rape and sexual assault and rape culture and originally the piece was birthed from a conversation that I was having with a lot of people about um modesty and the double standards between men and women like why do men get to show like their bodies and it's kind of like oh no big deal but when women show parts of our bodies we're automatically sexualized and um put in harm's way um when we just show ourselves (laughs) um and where and how did we get to the point of like automatically sexualizing certain parts of the body particularly the the breasts is where i was going with it and then that kind of spiraled me into researching and it was spiraled me on this path of like getting on like rape culture and modesty doctrines that was informing these double standards. Um, And then because we were on a college campus, that was the same year that ISU made us take that um, consent course, that online consent course. And so um, and there was a lot of controversy around that and so it kind of just ended up the piece ended up evolving into this work that was addressing not only the double standards about like how we present ourselves but the consequences to those double standards and that that layer of the reality of what we the very real reality of what we are experiencing on the college campus that rape and sexual assault is happening all the time but it's not really being addressed and a lot of cases on our campus, like just going unresolved um, and women and girls not being believed. Um, So, and this is like before me too and (laughs) time's up, which I think is very interesting. I wonder, I wonder what, the piece would have been like or how it would have been received if I had created it today versus what was that like four or five years ago um but in my process I remember like I had two men in the piece and I remember one of the men like saying to me I just feel so bad like after doing the piece like doing the piece is difficult for me because I have to tap into a dark, a darkness that maybe, like, I didn't know existed within me or hope that isn't within me. And it's, like, even though, like, what you're doing isn't necessarily real, you know, like, I tried to, uh, I tried to, like, Like, don't literally push her, but, like, you know. Um, I tried to simulate as much as I could. But, like, in order for him to, like, really be authentic to his character, like, he obviously had to dive into something very dark um, that he probably wouldn't have... um, in In his everyday life and so it made me it made me start to question like am I qualified to create this work how can I protect my dancers and I do think that I did the best I could but if I were to do it all over again there are so many things that I would have done differently and I do admit that there was a sense of pride where I was like, no, this needs to be talked about. This is an important issue and everybody needs to like buck up and sit through <laughs> sit through the piece and watch like but there was obviously a a a very specific audience that I think I was trying to target and I was trying to target people that you know, participate in victim blaming and people who don't think that rape and sexual assault is a big deal, particularly on the college campus. Um, but I was missing like, okay, but the rea- I was missing the re- very real reality that more than likely people in the audience might be victims of rape and sexual assault themselves. And like I missed, I didn't do my due diligence to be a little more mindful about how that might be impacting those audience members. I was mindful of how it was impacting some of my dancers because I there was a dancer that I knew of that was a victim of rape and sexual assault. And she was very... uh involved in the process because I wanted to make sure that I was honoring her story because I have never been raped. So yeah, but if I could do it all over again, I honestly probably wouldn't create it at all in that setting just because One, it's not my story to tell. And I believe that as artists, it's great if you want to speak into an issue, but like, if it's not your story and there is someone that you think could tell it, hand the microphone over to them. (laughs) You know, like, or, or, or at the very least, have that person be heavily involved in consulting and you submit to what they say. (laughs) Um, Because I get that we, you know, we have a process and, you know, we get so tied up in like the aesthetic of the work. But like, I wish I would have listened to more voices instead of being so caught up in like the aesthetic and like ooh this is going to this is going to get people rallied up to have necessary conversations, you know. Um and so I have since taken that work down. It used to be on my YouTube channel and um about a year ago I took it down because I was like there's there's no I don't want to participate in re-traumatizing people for shock value you know um and if I if I were to ever revisit that piece again it would definitely uh I would definitely have a much more hands-off role um in creating the work and be a lot more mindful um and since then I've been a lot more disturbed by (laughs) how we create work, particularly dance and theater, because we just get so caught up in you know, this is my work and (laughs) this is how I wanna tell it. But I'm always like, at what cost though? (laughs) You know? Yeah. I
1: that's that's really interesting and I commend you for that because even the the thought to go back and think about all of this. I feel like sometimes people create art and they let it be and they take or deny responses at that time, but then they just kind of, like, walk away from it. Mm -hmm. Especially if if it's not something that is needed for a new project. It's like the project is just done. But for you to still be thoughtful in something that was done years ago,
0: Snap nice to see you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think what really got me going about it is like um I feel like my last few years of college I was very much in a create in the creator's seat. Um and since being out of college, I I I still am creating, but I'm also more of a performer. So Um, it's, it's allowed me to go back into really embody what it really feels like to be the performer, to be asked to put your body and your mind and your soul on the line for work. And since then, I've been involved in performing, uh, works that are sensitive and, requires a sense of emotional labor (laughs) Um, that if you are not, if you're not in a healthy place, I would imagine to be very difficult and harmful. Um, And then also just learning more about creative process that is a little more mindful to some of the things I was talking about particularly because like with that piece that I created there were phrases and like partner work where one thing that I would go back and do differently is to work with an intimacy and fight choreographer director or coordinator so for somebody who has extensive knowledge an understanding of how to create images with the body in those things, but doing them in a, in the safest way possible, um, to where the performers are safe and um, and even the audience is safe as well. Um, so, just like learning more about that field has got my wheels turning. To where I'm just so much more um, sensitive to, yeah, because I have I have personally seen the effects of when artists are not being heard when they are saying this by you asking me to do this this is not good for my mental health or this is re-traumatizing me. Um, And when they're not heard or when those wishes aren't honored, like it really does impact um, the work itself. And most importantly, it impacts um, the trust that you're trying to build with, with the performer, you know? So, I don't know, have you experienced, whether you were in a work or you saw a work, where you were like, yikes, (laughs) (laughs) we didn't have to, like, re-traumatize everybody? (laughs) Uh, I honestly don't
1: think I have been. I don't think I've ever experience that but you know I can say that um with me being such a a deep thinker and a a deep filler whatever you want to call it Mm -hmm. um I noticed that with very very heavy things such as like you know police brutality on black people people of color um Topics like those that can really like fuck you up. I I do notice that I um uh, almost like unintentionally, intentionally shut down. Mm-hmm. And so I have moments every now and then when something happens where I, where I like will break down about it. I'm just like so heavy from it. Um. Like, one of the very first moments that I remember, I guess, either being caught off guard or just not being able to, like, hold it anymore was, like, when it was uh, a bunch of uh, killings, shootings by police, black men, mostly, I think, at the time. It was, like, it was, like, I, it was, like, a series of, of black men being being killed, like, mm-hmm day after day do you remember
0: like i remember yeah
1: okay um and that was like really really bothering me but i was like slowly shutting down because it was so much like every fucking day bro like every day it just was so much and then i remember watching i don't know why i did this but i just remember watching uh
0: fruitvale station Hmm. And that was the very
1: first time that I ever saw it. I knew what it was about. I knew that it was a heavy a heavy movie, but I was like, I this is a movie that I need to see. Like this is, you know. Right. You're supposed to see this. <laughs> and I watched it and I remember that being the first time that I like broke down. Like a old situation. Watching an old situation, that piece of art was the thing that, that helped me be like I gotta be real. Like this shit hurts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and so I'll have those moments and then I, I realize that I shut back down. I'm just kind of angry, but in order for me to, like, I guess keep moving through life and not be become so, like, bitter and just angry at random people, <laughs> um, I, I choose to, like, be guarded in regards to those things. Right. Uh, which I'm not saying is a good thing, but that's just kind of how I get along because it's just, like, I'm not saying that it's not important at all, but I have so many other things that I deal with, just, like, things that I'm actually experiencing firsthand, um, and those things weigh on me. So to to let something else like that weigh on me, it's, like, honestly, I feel like sometimes that type of stuff is heavier for me because I care so much about other people,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes more than myself. And so I'm I'm much more quick to be, like, falling into a dark hole over somebody else being hurt rather than I would myself yeah so and then it's just the the, I think the natural thoughts that we all have you see a black man around a certain age or just in general a black woman around a certain age maybe even how they look and it reminds you of one of your family members and you start to think like oh that could have been my brother or that could have been you know I don't I try to stay away from that whole thing, like Mm -hmm. all together, Mm -hmm. because that's when I listen. I come into work for the next four days, okay?
0: (laughs) Right? (laughs) It's
1: like you know, take the time that you need, but at the same time, like it's just the reality. Like we have to keep moving forward.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Like you, you have to. So in order for me to keep moving forward, I just I choose to disconnect a lot of times. Like, I know what's going on, I'm
0: aware, but I won't spend a lot of time on it. Right. And I I mean, particularly with things like that, I mean, we don't, we don't need to, like you said in the beginning, we don't need to experience a, a piece of art for us to know our reality <laughs> You know, we're living, we're living in that fear all the time. Like you said, you know, I don't need Fruitville Station to educate me on the reality that, um, my brother, my father, you know, my friends, every time we walk out of the house, that that could be one of us. Um, and so maybe... I question like why the okay that film particularly why was it created um is it to maintain a sort of uh because I do think certain pieces of art like that is important because art isn't just about reflecting the now but can also be a tool to preserve history so years from now people can go back and watch a film like Fruitville Station or a series like When They See Us and it speak into the reality of the time in which we live now that may be reality you know Um, Because, I mean, think about (laughs) Films from the past Like um, What's that movie? (laughs) God Imitation of Life I don't know if you've seen that But that movie speaks a lot Into issues of Colorism and Familial Relationships and just all these Intricate issues Or plays like a raisin in the sun you know um so a lot of the themes surrounding films and plays like that are still very relevant to us today as black people but it also is speaking into a time that we no longer live in you know but offers a perspective to help us to move forward um so I think in that regard art like that is important but then it's like obviously when a white person watches Fruitville Station there's going to be a different level of impact in the sense that that might be the film that informs white people to be like oh I didn't realize that this was such an issue that like now they now I really I mean they'll never really get it but like now I have a deeper level of understanding that there is a systemic problem with uh the relationship between black people and the police and that this isn't a new phenomenon but has been occurring for centuries um and we could we could say that about anything um not just topics of race and violence um but I don't I don't know in the sense I just feel like my main question is is there a way for us to tell the story without I got it Um, is there a way to tell the story authentically as authentically as possible without it being so much about the shock value and without it traumatizing the people involved in making the work you know And I think there is a way to do that. We just don't, a lot of us don't have the tools to do it or we refuse to invest in the tools.
1: Well, uh, what do you think the tools are? Because I'm not, I can't really see how it would be possible. Well,
0: part of it is just like consulting with, appropriate people so and that's going to be different depending on what you're trying to what you're trying to speak into so in my case with renouncing allowance the first thing I need to be doing is getting in touch with an intimacy director or choreographer because um you know there were moments where they are having to have points of contact that depict uh, a certain level of intimacy and violence. And in a way that I don't, I, as just a choreographer with dance, like I understand dance, but this is a very uh, specific way of depicting movement that goes beyond my level of experience and education and pay grade honestly <laughs> so coordinating with someone that understands how to display the images or uh integrate movement in a way that is going to be the least amount of harmful for my for my performers and also the audience that is going to be witnessing this. Um, and there are lots of intimacy and fight directors, choreographers, coordinators. Um, they have them a lot of times for theater and film. I don't know... What the landscape is for dance, that's actually something that um, I want to explore because I think we assume that, oh, because we are dancers, we understand movement. We do understand movement, but there's a uh, the mental health, emotional well-being element that we're not all qualified to speak into. <laughs> um, so, or or if I were, if I were a white person and I wanted to create a work about um, the killing of Philando Castile, uh, best believe, the first thing you should be doing <laughs> is asking yourself, why do I as a white person need to create this work? <laughs> is there... A, a black choreographer that could tell the story. And if so, let me mute myself <laughs> <laughs> and do what I can do to support them in telling the story. And then if you can find a justifiable reason why, you know, you want to create this work, Maybe the first thing you should do is if you're specifically speaking into that particular case, can you reach out to the family <laughs> and make sure that there's that, the, that story is told authentically and then reach out to some type of mental health professional because like when we go into doing work that, requires a, a level of emotional labor that goes beyond like the typical emotional labor that we may have to endure as performers I think that's when you gotta get some professionals involved and yes that might mean that um you might have to spend some money <laughs> it, I, you know and I think To be honest with you, I think that's a huge element is like people that there are people that know this. Like I understand people who don't know this, that don't know that those resources are available to them. But I do believe that there are some people that know that these resources are available, but they don't want to spend the time and the money to like implement these necessary things. Because it's like, well whatever and because also because we're so product-based now like it's no longer about the process but it's about the product and we're just so there's so much pressure to just produce 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 and we're so we're always trying to one-up each other so like one person creates this very impactful important work that is like speaking into a very important issue and now everybody's like "Ooh, that got them a lot of appraisal so now let me like one up that but in the midst of that we don't think about who we're harming in the process because we're just so consumed with the product yeah so (laughs) <laughs> and honestly this episode like is a call out to artists myself included <laughs> to to be more mindful yes but let it go beyond like the awareness and let us like hold each other accountable to implement the things that we know we need to And to not be ashamed to ask questions. And to honor our performers and our audiences.
1: (laughs) I would agree. I agree. You can't just be doing shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most basic way to say it.
0: Yeah. Didn't
1: didn't they say that? Like one of her friends was like "Was it, Shemekka? First of all, I love her name. Yes. (laughs) But, I think she said something to Nola about like, not just doing shit.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, Shemeca was one of the friends that was kind of sitting a little bit in the nuance of it. But was, you know, because she was saying I support you because you're my friend and I'm always going to support your work publicly. But like, personally I'm not down with this and she she I think she's really the only friend that actually holds Nola to some level of accountability you know everybody else is kind of skirting around the issue and just being caught up in their feelings but Shemekha's like the one friend that's just like let me give it to you straight and tell you that like regardless of your intention this is how it impacted the people that were a witness to your art and like good for you like congrats for creating this beautiful work but it doesn't change the fact that it was harmful to some people and you have to take responsibility for that i think a lot of times we as artists we just want to create shit, but we don't take responsibility for, like, how that's impacting people. Um, and it's not to say that we should submit to the will of audiences all the time. Because sometimes people just, like, don't understand art, especially art that maybe is a little more abstract. Um, and so some of, sometimes... People are coming at it from a lens of just a lack of exposure and understanding to art in general. But then there are just some things that are just like, you know, a given and you know we hide behind well that's just art that's just my creativity you know i'm i'm an artist i'm sensitive about my shit la 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 like we like to hide behind that but the reality is is that no um with whom much is given much is required so we have to be responsible (laughs) create responsibly
1: I was about to say something. Shoot. Why am I losing thoughts? Um... Oh, along with, like, just, you know, you can't just do stuff. She might you just saying. you can't just do stuff. I think sometimes it's hard to receive that type of feedback from your friends because you just expect that they're just going to support you. hmm And oftentimes support is seen as, like, me showing up, giving good feedback, saying I like it, smiling, making you feel good, and that's not always support. And so, it, I mean, it can just be hard to hear negative feedback about your work, period. But to hear from a friend, like, I think it can be really hard, too, which is why some people probably just put up the the, the shield of, like you said, it's just art, like, oh, it's not that serious. I just mm-hmm. need it from... You know,
0: get this off my chest. Whatever. Um, yeah. yeah. That's very true. It does it that didn't make me wonder, like, have I had friends that have come to see either work that I've created or work that I've been in? That maybe, like, they didn't enjoy or were disturbed by what they saw. But they just, like, didn't say anything because we've been conditioned to believe that support equals agreement. Um, so, yeah, if you're my friend and you're listening to this, call me out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Hold me accountable. Um. Because I... I do want my work to create impact and I do want it to speak into the realities in which we live and I also understand that everybody isn't going to like it and some like I said sometimes just some some things are unavoidable um, but at the very least I, I do want my audience to be safe. As they witness what they're what they're seeing and what they're experiencing, um, as much as possible. And I want my audiences to have the agency to take care of themselves in the process. Because I even think how we present work can inform how people are able to take care of themselves when they're experiencing art um I don't know because like especially with dance like the whole like theater etiquette like you know don't get up don't do this don't do that it really limits like people's agency to be able to be like um this is not for me right now (laughs) um and even like with money like Performances being having a level of expense where people are like, well, I paid like $60 to see this. So I'm going to suffer through it <laughs> when you don't have to, you know? Yeah. Um, So I hope that it's my hope that as I continue creating that I can sort of create a space where people are able to witness something and then be able to process it after Which is why I appreciate shows that have some type of talk back or, you know, so that so that we can talk about it and people can process like what they just saw. People can give feedback. Um, And I encourage people to when you do experience a show that has some type of audience participation or audience feedback that's a perfect opportunity to hold artists accountable. Um, Cause I think we think, oh, we just need to tell them, oh, that was beautiful. That was great. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. and yes, we do need to celebrate them like job well done. Like thanks for, you know, being vulnerable with us to share because, you know, that is a huge aspect of being an artist is to be, to be willing to be vulnerable enough to share like parts of yourself, you know, in your work. But at the same time, particularly with pieces where, you know, we're trying to speak into an issue that not only impacts you, but impacts everybody else in the world. Um, there has to be a level of accountability there as well yeah absolutely so yeah this is this is interesting I, I'm glad that you're willing to have this conversation with me because to be honest um, I try to have these conversations with other artists like particularly dancers and they either are just like uh, <laughs> or they don't want to talk about it or there's a level of defensiveness because probably because they're guilty (laughs) of some of the things that I'm talking about. And that's why I wanted to go ahead and just like say up front that I am no saint when it comes to it. Like,
1: yeah,
0: you know, um, I've got my own work to do as well, but it's just like really hard to have this dialogue um, because change is hard because, you know, now that we're aware, now we have to make changes, (laughs) so yeah any last thoughts can't just do shit (laughs) right can't just do shit people yeah
1: but
0: I mean that if I had to put it all in one sentence yeah yeah Yeah. well I guess this segues into shameless plug Um, I mentioned it several times in the conversation. Um, I wanted to highlight uh, an organization called Intimacy Directors International. Um, Let me pull up... er, Let me pull this up and read to you (laughs) their... If it'll let me. Okay. Um, yeah. So Intimacy Directors International is a non-profit organization pioneering the best practices for theatrical intimacy, simulated sex, and performance nudity for theater, TV, and film. Um... So they believe that scenes of intimacy must be handled in a professional manner that adheres to the highest standards of artistry and safety, whether that be on stage or on set. Our company utilizes the pillars as a standard for simulated intimacy. The choreography of these scenes must accurately tell the character's stories as intended by the writer through the interpretation of the director and the actors involved while respecting the physical and psychological safety of all. Professionals certified through IDI operate in a specific code of ethics with a high artistic standard while operating their rehearsals in professional, respectful, appropriate, and amiable atmosphere. And so they offer three three or four um, certifications um one is for theater one is for tv and film and then the highest level is to be able to teach like this stuff to be a lead instructor so i'm going to link their website um this is just one cuz alicia i know you asked like what are some of the tools <laughs> you know this is one tool this is one way this is one resource and um there's, like, a list of certified professionals, like, that have gone through their program. So, like, if you are looking for somebody to work with, like, they can direct you to somebody who's actually certified to do this type of work so that you don't, um, you know, go into something that you don't know what you're doing and potentially, like, harm people in your creative process. Um. yeah so that's that's one source and once I started like looking in to that it opened me up to a plethora of other resources so I encourage you all to uh, look into that especially if you work within theater or film so yes and then my other the only other shameless plug I have is found movement group? We are starting up our community classes again in the summer. Um, I taught my Mystic Flow class on Sunday and it was a success. <laughs> um, and yeah, just follow found on Instagram at FMG Dance and that's where we will announce uh, classes because there's no set day or time other than every other Sunday at 10 a.m. we will open up our company class to the community, but the other open community classes throughout the week just kind of varies with uh, company members schedules. So just be on the lookout for those announcements. If you wanna take class with us, we'd love to have you. Do you have anything? I do not well 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 so then finally I'll just go ahead and announce this too um, for the listeners so uh, as you notice we (laughs) kind of flipped the script on you and released a bonus episode on a Tuesday (laughs) when usually we would release a full episode Um, our schedules just got really wonky and yeah but the the rest of the summer goes as follows after this episode in July we're gonna be start we're going to be doing a series on sex so we're gonna be talking about sex all the month of July so be ready (laughs) for that all things are possible (laughs) <laughs> with those conversations um and then in August we're gonna be taking a little hiatus um from putting out any new episodes I'm gonna try to put out maybe one or two bonus content just to you know hold you over <laughs> uh, but I, I won't promise that because I will be on my vacation <laughs> and Then coming back from my vacation, I'll need time to recuperate. And I know that Alicia is kind of in a transition right now as well. So we want to give us like a month to just recuperate (laughs) and regroup and plan out future episodes and um, kind of regroup ourselves to figure out like, where we want to go next in the direction of the podcast. Um, but then after that, we'll resume a regular schedule in September. So, in the meantime, in the month of August, what you can do is you can catch up on all the episodes you might have missed. Um, and we still want to talk to you. So, we'll be on social media. Um, so, find us on Instagram, on Twitter. I feel like Alicia and I are, are on Twitter a lot <laughs> for the most part. So yeah, yeah. talk to us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you have ideas, if you have a topic that you want us to talk about, um, shoot us an email and say, hey, I really would love for you to speak into this or what do you think about that? And um, if we feel called or led or qualified to speak into it then we will um yeah and I am also the other reason why I am we're taking a hiatus in August is I am trying to launch a website for us so during that time I will be working on the website so be on the lookout for that and that website will uh, be a great way for you to stay in the loop of episodes catching up on episodes and um, hopefully there will be some type of resource page um, because I know a lot of times we just throw out a lot of resources <laughs> at you and it would probably be good to kind of have them all in one spot um, so be on the lookout for that hopefully That website will go live in September. So, yeah. That's it? That's (laughs) it. That was kind of a mouthful, but (laughs) (laughs) you know.
1: Well, the song of the week is Digging the sea, digging on you, digging on me, baby, baby, ooh. Baby, baby, it's all like right that. It's all like right that. Okay. Gotta be in love something like that. I'm digging see scene. Digging on you. Digging on me. Baby, baby. Oh, baby, baby. It's mm. all like
0: right that. It's all like right that. I gotta be in love. I was like, babe. <laughs> yes. Yes. Shout out to TLC <laughs> again. Yes. Oh my god! Like I can't believe I saw, and I was kind of close. I was like, "Oh my god!" Mm-hmm. I'm I'm so I'm so excited. Um, and are you Chicago's pride is on Sunday?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if you're going, I hope you have fun. Me? Yeah. Oh. I you were well, any and and the listeners, if you're going, be safe, have fun, let us know how it was, take pictures, videos. I have lots of pictures and videos <laughs> from Nashville's Pride. Um, I just love Nashville's Pride because it's not just a parade, but it's also a festival. So you get to like just commune with people, you know. I don't know. Does Chicago have a festival or is it just a parade?
1: All I know of is a parade. I know that there are other events, um, like earlier in the weekend because the parade is on Sunday, right? i um, like Saturday, but yeah, I don't think that there's a festival. I, I wouldn't really know honestly, but I have I've never heard of a festival. Basically, mm. I just love the parade, and then there are like other events and like I think different like bars and stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, we have different events like leading up to Saturday and Sunday, but I feel like the, it's like you, you want to go to the festival and like there's different vendors and, you know, so a lot of it is very corporatized, like, but there are like a lot of local organizations there that are represented like There was like a, there was a vendor that was offering free HIV testing. Um, And like Cigna, Cigna was out there doing um, free health screenings. Um, And then there were like other health organizations there that like were giving out information about PrEP and other forms of like um, good like sexual health practices and and, obviously, there's, like, performances and stuff all throughout the day. And they try to get, like, one to two, like, major headlining people to perform, like, the last the last set of the day. So, Neon Trees was on Saturday night. And then, TLC closed us out on Sunday. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I feel like if when it's just about the parade, it, um kind of it can kind of water down the meaning of pride because then it's just like a bunch of corporate logos everywhere (laughs) um but I don't know it's still a it's still an experience and it's still a good way to like connect and commune and celebrate so um yeah I hope everybody that goes has a great time because I had a grand old time here in Nashville so yeah well this has been a wonderful conversation as always that is all that is all be blessed
1: (laughs) we want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in Continue the conversation with us. Develop a community with other misfits and mystics like us, and get your latest updates on shameless plugs and other news by following us on social media. We are on Instagram at Misfits and Mystics Pod, Twitter at Misfits Mystics, and we also have a Facebook page that you can like and share.
0: Want to reach us directly? Shoot us an email at misfitsandmysticspod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, and with your permission, we might give you a shout-out on future episodes.
1: Don't forget to subscribe on whatever streaming service you're using to stay up-to-date on newest episodes being released.
0: Leave us a review on iTunes to help us gain more visibility, plus we appreciate the feedback.